Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. professional podcast that is wrestling centric known as grown men watch this shit yeah that just so you know everyone was completely on the fly this time i didn't think what i was gonna do with the intro and that's what came out so (laughs) i don't know whether that's good or bad but it is definitely real you kept me on my toes I mean, if you get any nothing else from this uh, podcast, you'll soon recognize that uh, you're getting realness. Yeah, we, we keep it real, 100% real. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So nothing newsworthy at all has happened today, right? Oh, <laughs> shit. The whole world is in a mess, and now so is the World Wrestling Universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been yeah. for some time, but significantly more so today, really. And I mean, that's not necessarily our wheelhouse, uh, but I mean, things that are that big do, I guess, trickle down and affect uh, all of the other things that we would generally even talk about. So, uh, I mean... I don't know. I don't want to go on a fucking long, angry rant about it like I probably could. But uh, what, what are your immediate thoughts, sir? Um, well, incredibly unfortunate for all involved, especially considering there's not even an indie market for these guys to go and mm. buy their wares to immediately. Uh, so... Some of the guys, I guess, the NXT guys are rumored to get some sort of semblance of uh, a pay, uh, like a severance package. I'm not sure how that I heard translates. They get barely else. anything. They get like a month, and then it's like yeah, oh, yeah, a buy. month. Yeah, but just something we've talked about, and I've often maybe it wasn't too uh, negative on. I was like applauded it. WWE always hoards a ton of talent, and now they're needing to release an exorbitant amount of people who are talented workers themselves. I don't see anybody on the list so far that would have been necessarily somebody I could see as the face of the company or the future world champion outside of maybe Rusev, but I mean, still. I, I think definitely this overall thing is just an indictment on those um, that like talent warehousing monopolistic practices, right? Like 100%. that whole thing if they want to take all of the toys off of the fucking everyone else's table so that they're in their little toy box and no one else can play with them. And now that they're like, oh, no one else is playing with the toys. Also, shit, these toys are costing us a lot of money <laughs> when yeah. we have really uh, over uh, overextended ourselves in a variety of ways. Uh, so, you know what? Fuck these toys. Uh, let's throw them out. Whoever wants them can have them. That's just kind of yeah, the way so- that I look at this. I saw a picture they had somebody photoshopped recently of all the champions like standing in a staircase. Or, and when you see it, it's like 
these are way too many titles. And then somebody points out, well, if you go by per capita of how many people they have on their roster, it's really not that bad. That's <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> that is not a good statement. It's it's ridiculous. They have no, everyone basically gets some sort of constellation title, and it's mm. I almost said retarded. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, and, and now they have to lay off people who they even announced Drake Maverick for that damn tournament, and they yeah. had to lay him off. And now he's still competing in it. Like, Fuck, you at are they going to turn that into an angle? Yeah, is it, it wrecked? He's wrecked, man. Yeah. yeah. And somebody like somebody, uh, I saw Jason Agnew. Uh, saying how he was working, everybody is like, no, that guy legitimately is bummed that he lost his dream job. They might turn it into an angle. Like, no, I don't know. People, I, if you don't think they're going to think they're going to be a ground support to give Spud his really job back? You think that's a fucking angle that they'd run right now? No, I don't mean <laughs> that part. I meant coming out of it. Like, if there was a groundswell support, they'd be like, well, let's give the belt to this guy. I don't know. Mm, I don't think they would actually run it as an angle to begin with, dude. You yeah, know, they've, yeah. they've, they've taken ridiculous things. Even in a reactionary things. sense. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Know, things change over yeah. time, but at least in the immediate future, I uh, think they could, could give a fuck about him, as, as most of his employees. Um, it's funny when you said the uh, the idea of, like, just the, the sheer amount of talent that, that they've got and they, like, have collected. I always, like, pop for that because how much shit they used to give WCW on these, like, bullshit retrospective documentaries where they just make WCW out to be the biggest villain and evil wrestling monopoly in the world, which WWE is far more than WCW ever was, even at their worst. Um, for sure. And, and one of the points they always would give WCW shit for was all of the wrestlers that they'd have under contract and the ones that, that they wouldn't use, you know, like your, your Chris Adams or... Um, uh, Lanny Poffo is another Lanny example. Lanny Poffo, yeah. Uh, these guys that they would have under contract and, and very uh, rarely used just because of, you know, the amount of, of air TV time or whatever. But I don't think even at their fucking worst, they ever wasted talent anywhere near what WWE has done over the last few years. Like, and, and just looking at the total amount of people who were signed to, total amount of wrestlers who were signed to WCW at their peak in, like, 99... Compared to WWE right now, not even comparable. Like, yeah, like somebody like, but they have all these brands. Like, do they need all these brands? Like, honestly, <laughs> I I like wrestling, but does, does WWE UK NXT need to exist? That's honestly, exactly what I was thinking, man. And hey, you reckon there's going to be an announcement coming soon about a full shutdown of that one? I I wouldn't I would imagine so like it seems like the easiest thing to cut ties with you know what I mean it's so much expense to run it f like abroad like they're and not directly never connected shown to it any any positive success whatsoever like I, there was yeah. a really funny um uh, tweet someone did uh, the other day about like I think WWE released like a, there's going to be like a documentary on it or something and it's like about the the rise of uh, NXT UK. And someone was like, like what did they do? There was a rise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but when did they take the world by storm? So are they, are they on the downtrend now? Like, I what always, is happening? I always thought that, that documentary would just be called The Fall and Fall of NXT UK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
the baseline that NXT, NXT UK that they never achieved anything else. And yet that yeah, man. idiot Pete Dunne will probably be out here saying how much of a great thing it still is for the UK scene. Fucking moron, hey. Yeah. yeah just, I don't know, they're the people at the moment that are really standing out to me, like your, your Pete Dunne's of the world, your Seth Rollins of the world, fucking idiotic video. Or like, I mean, I've, I've oh, did before. Seth release a video too? Hey, yeah, yeah. Seth released a oh, video. I this... missed it. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> How cringy was that? Shit? So cringy. This is a time that we all need to come together and not be pointing fingers and not be critical of WWE. And oh my gosh, it was such a bad look. But yeah, the, it's the uh... only time to be critical of WWE. Like it's the most direct and specific time to be critical <laughs> of WWE. This is yeah, after David Vince has arrived like Florida. Right? People are like, this bribe. isn't the time. When else is the fucking time? Exactly. Like, what are, what are we supposed to do here? Yeah. yeah Vince. And then uh, I like how all this stuff has come out for Vince, like, this week. Uh, all this shitty news. And then he does this. And then the XFL, like, partially want to feel sympathy. But then you realize, no, he's a fucking asshole and brought a lot of this shit onto himself. Like, what the Man, fuck? The, and the then covering up with the a murder, too. Yeah, like you look at this just in terms of a, a weak snapshot in history that we'll look back upon, right? It's like yeah. in this week, Vince has uh, so shut down. Uh, no, I think the bribe came first, right? Of this fucking yeah. Trump super PAC. So then there's a meeting uh, that just happens to take place shortly after this bribe saying, hey, WWE is an essential service. And from what we hear, uh, within woven within the fabric of society, <laughs> that that one popping. Uh, so we had that. We then had the XFL go bankrupt, uh, and then within like a day of that, Vince is then announced as like an economic fucking advisor for Donald Trump. Within a day of declare of like you know declaring fucking bankruptcy for a company, and then. Uh, the next day, uh, fucking releases a 20 odd or more growing list of, of uh, workers, you know, not they should be employees, but they're not employees, but whatever. Um, and this is the guy that's gonna be fucking advising on, on this Donald Trump council. That's that's reassuring, right? The biggest rub about that, I was actually just bullshitting with the guys uh, at Steel Cage with this about this, is nothing Vince has done outside of the WWE has been successful like the <laughs> wbf yeah wbf <laughs> was not good Ico pro wasn't good uh wwe new york wasn't good xfl was rich he's trying to uh promote concerts on pay-per-view remember that going back a while yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh xfl run one didn't work xfl run two unfortunately outside of his control some of that maybe uh didn't do so well was doing great, but, you know, kind of flopped and has been declared bankrupt. So I, I don't know why he's considered the financial. Like, I really look up to his wrestling knowledge. Um, <laughs> no, what was the he, best bit? The best bit. The great Vince McMahon. Did you hear the that? The great Vince McMahon <laughs> put me into the WWE Hall of Fame. I figured I owe him one. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing in history. I'm so glad that I was able to be there for that Hall of Fame. The only Hall of Fame of WWE I've ever gone to, it was just to see Bruno and Foley go in, and I got to see Madison Square Garden boo the fucking shit out of Donald Trump. That, that was fun. Um, but 
I mean, so outside of, of this, we then sort of go on to the, obviously, you know, the COVID-19 thing, all these guys having to work and fly in on a weekly basis because WD is fucking essential, apparently. Um, and at what point, to me, is it on the workers, right? And this is like an extension now of like all these guys being released and people talking about, hey, this would be the time to not go into work to make a stand. I mean, I, to me, if, if you're a good person, you would tell them to go fuck themselves and you wouldn't go into work, I mean, purely to protect your family, but whatever. I mean, what point now does, does the responsibility go on to the workers to be like, hey, I feel like, these guys should be responsible for them, themselves. And if they're still going to work, that should be on them, not crying like, oh, my fucking boss made me. You know what I mean? Maybe WWE fired all these guys because they observed them not socially distancing themselves. They, these guys were all too close. Uh, I saw them standing there. We had to let them go. Uh, no, yeah, they certainly should. But, you know, it's classic I mean, I wrestling. I feel for the guys who are on the bottom half, right? The yeah, they're not gonna. Those guys aren't gonna say shit. No, and they should. But those I mean, guys the, like Oni Lorkin, who's getting TV time out of this, or Austin Theory, who's getting a huge push because of all this. Like the roster is thin uh, down there in Florida. They they're picking up on that. So, like Oni Lorkin's not gonna say, guys, I don't feel safe. You don't think? Well, like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a fucked up position for those guys to be in. Just anyway. Like, that's, you know, taking advantage of, of someone at a point of weakness. I mean, which is fucking what the company does anyway. Let's not um, <laughs> say it's not what it is. But um, to me, it's like anyone there who is, like, above that, you know, that upper half of the card, it is unforgivable. Like that should have been the guy that did that. That shouldn't have been the guy who's rallying yeah, but he's everyone sees to support WFE. He should be the guy who's, like... Uh, hey, WWE, maybe we need to take in consideration the rest of the talent and just... Yeah, I mean... Maybe it means more people get laid off, though. By this point, he's clearly a piece of shit as a person that kind of, like, crossed the picket line, weaseled to Vince. He's the guy, like, you know, Hogan, when Jesse Ventura was trying to start the the fucking union. (laughs) Seth would be the one saying, Oh, Vince, there's a union talk. You better fire this guy. I I have no belief that Seth is a good person whatsoever. But... Unfortunately, the wrestlers, the the person they have rallying for them is David Starr. Yeah, who they all fucking distance themselves from. I mean, to yeah. me, there's like something to be said about. I mean, this is both the union thing, both the going to work during this COVID nineteen thing. Like, I learned a long time ago, in you know fucking school. Like, there's no point in standing up for someone who doesn't have the fucking balls to stand up for themselves. And that's kind of where I'm at now with, like, the WWE roster. Like, I'm, I'm sick of this kind of, like, defending them. Oh, the poor, you know, they're working for this terrible bot, these poor guys. It's like, if they don't have the balls to stay home and tell them to go fuck themselves, then I don't have it much sympathy for them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, by that same token, I also feel like, all right, if they've decided that they're cool with riding with someone who practices business this way, then if you're going to allowed maybe your morals to be compromised. Uh, okay, maybe we can view you as kind of a shitty person. <laughs> yeah. That's going to happen. I mean, like, with the amount of fucking people that get cancelled in, in culture these days, uh, most of those fucking people aren't potentially responsible for someone or many people dying. 
You know what I mean? Oh, Cancel Vince gross. McMahon. <laughs> Cancel the whole thing. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Fuck. Oh man. Yeah, it's it's just she. It sucks. Um and on the other hand, on the very positive hand, you see the, the news come out about the, all of the, the people from the, the top companies in Japan banding together to go to the government to actually have a, a positive uh, reaction to this. Oh, shit. No, I did not hear that. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, Tanahashi uh, and uh, I believe the uh, New Japan president, not, not Harold May, but the other one, uh, the, the top guy there, um, top rep- representatives of stardom uh tokyo joshi pro uh all japan noah all came together um to approach government with uh new japan legend hiroshi hase who's a political figure over there um speaking on their behalf i I believe uh and they're basically going to the the government to to work this out to you know potentially get get some sort of financial support for all of these wrestlers out there, especially wrestlers in the smaller companies that are, like, really fucking suffering right now. Um, and also looking at, at things that they could do in terms of, of getting, like, uh, some sort of early check screening in place so they could potentially do shows if they were able to, to screen fans in some sort of sense. Like, just actually taking proactive measures. And it's like someone was like, can you imagine the world where we're fucking... Vince McMahon and Seth Rollins walk into uh, Washington to see what they can do to help out the rest of the wrestling world during this hard time. Hell no. Right? I mean, it's just such a stark difference. Hey? But I, I, I think that was really good, and I really, really hope it has a positive um, result for them. Because there's so many companies in Japan that are just doing it so hard right now. Dude, what's funny to me about that is in Japan, wrestling is actually kind of respected to a degree. Mm-hmm. If they tried to do that in the United States, like all the people who are not necessarily wrestling fans are like, what? We're building out wrestling? Like, what the fuck? What's going on here? What are yeah. we doing? I mean, like, they wouldn't draft other people working. You know what I mean? People have been taught since the 80s that wrestling does not fucking matter and it is a dumb freak show thing that in no way anyone should take seriously or respect. That's yeah, like if they're gonna be, if they're gonna bail out baseball, people are like, all right, I get it. Yeah, they can't play. Makes sense to me. But because it's wrestling, people are like, no, what the fuck are you talking wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, woven into the fabric of society. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, grown men watch that shit. <laughs> hey, I said the thing. Hey, we need a dinger. Oh man, yeah. So I, I hope that works out well for him. Um, but yeah, just just so different. Um, I mean, it's the smaller promotions, and I mean, it's the same thing in America. It's the smaller pro- promotions that are really suffering. Um, but uh, in another sense, like good stuff with you know this fucking terrible thing WWE's done. To look at the other companies that are more on that mid spectrum, like your ROHs, MLW. Impact Wrestling, um, you know, even AEW as well. How many people have they released? None. Fucking none. Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure that they are in a heck of a lot more of a of a Financial financially dangerous yeah position than WWE. So, what does that tell you? 
<laughs> yeah, it tells you either Vince wasn't concerned with trying to help anybody or keep their jobs, or he saw the easiest way out is just mixing some talent. And it seems like he took the latter. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a different story if they were actually losing money. You know, if they're in like a position like they were in 95, 96, where they're really on the bubble. But this isn't even like to, you know, minimize losses. They're nowhere near losses. This is to try to help them meet their fucking... <laughs> to avoid losses. Yeah, like to, to, to meet their, their projections for, for Wall Street before this came in. Like, that's what they're talking about. And, like, between the disgusting, you know, blood money that they get from fucking Saudi Arabia and, like, these ridiculous TV deals that they're willingly putting people's lives on the line so that they can try to protect, like, <laughs> you'd think at least they could they could uh, not be firing people right now. You would think these TV deals... I mean, I know these are corporations. They may not have hearts per se but maybe some understanding like hey we can't run shows right now without endangering is there any some sort of like understanding that can be made for this portion of the contract or maybe we can make it up on the week's end on the end of the contract i, I uh, am sure there could be things that could be done hey? like, yeah that's what i'm saying way, like whether they change to more of like a studio uh, you know, approach where they're kind of like interviewing people and showing old matches and keeping it being like new content, but at least not endangering the lives of their wrestlers. Like that, that could be a thing that I'm, I'm sure the, the network uh, would, would be finally acceptable. But no, yeah, I, I think it's more just Vince's steadfast thing of, oh, if we air old footage, we're going to lose viewers, ratings are going to go down. And that's more what he's looking at rather than this bullshit thing people have been stirring up of, oh, if they don't do a new live show every week, uh, they're going to lose their contract. I think it's more just like Vince's weird, steadfast approach to this shit. You know, like the whole reason that WrestleMania took place this year. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. On to, on to some positives. What's some good mm-hmm. news that you've, you've uh, seen or, or had happen to you this week, my friend? Uh, man. Fuck, I, I don't, my dog turned one. <laughs> Happy birthday! Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. I life has been very bleak in the Corona world. Like all I do is, since I'm working from home, I wake up and I roll out of bed about thirty minutes before I have to work. Take a quick shower, take the dog out, then work, mm-hmm. and then take the dog for a couple walks and then watch TV and I just keep doing the same thing all day. It's very bleak. When it would end? <laughs> when will it end? Well, if you listen to all these people, apparently as soon as May starts, it'll be all over and all rosy again. But I <laughs> do not know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds hard to believe. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, man. There's... Uh... A lot of awfulness, but I think people listen to this kind of stuff. Not that anyone listens to our show. Don't want people to think that. The bots, you know, the bots that, that listen to our show that we talk about on occasion, uh, they want something positive in their life. So that's why we're here to go back, watch some wrestling of the, the past or not so recent past, and say, this is fucking great. You should watch this because that's, I think, the real benefit right now. 
we want to drill down into some good things. I think the good thing is that people are less caught up in watching new content and they're spending this time absorbing and, and going back and, and looking over a bunch of older stuff that is fucking magical that they just didn't have time to watch. And I'm seeing it all over Twitter, like everyone watching this old shit and it's just like, I mean, I, I in a lot of ways think older wrestling is generally better. I mean, does that make me a fucking old man curmudgeon? Maybe. But, <laughs> to a degree, sure. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's cool to be like going back. I mean, that's what I wish most of these promotions would be doing rather than making new content. Focus on this older stuff and, and leverage that. Like, it's it's awesome. Um, it'd, be, it'd be awesome if like somehow one of these current companies that's not WWE finds like some old footage from some other company and like purchases like, you know what? Instead of showing our footage, here's some rad old school shit. You guys should watch a little bit of this. And we'll be back when we can. <laughs> yeah, someone someone gets the old like uh, Don Owens Portland. Library. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so good. Or buys the uh, the Memphis Library off of the six different people that um, that uh, Jerry Jarrett and um, and Jerry Lawler have, have sold it to over the years. Yeah, it would be fucking great. Like, it's on loan, but, you know, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? Uh, have you watched any older stuff outside of what we're about to, to discuss, just like on a whim? Uh, no, unfortunately. I, I'm i going to watch that. Another, I'm trying to watch more wrestling-based documentaries. Like, mm -hmm. uh, we're discussing one tonight, and I watched another one. I watched all of the Brawl for All stuff, or not Brawl for All, the Dark Side of the Ring stuff recently. So. Yeah. I've been watching more docs on wrestling because I find when they're done really well, they're extremely compelling. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we start with that then, man? Um, right. I, yeah, I've also watched all of the dark side of the rings up to the Brawl for All episode. Um, I'm yet to watch the, the Jimmy Schnooker one, but I know that's going gonna, that's gonna to be quite a, quite a dark and <laughs> serious one. Uh, but uh, I, I guess the two that we we're maybe going to have a little chat about is um, the the New Jack one and Brawl for All. I enjoy yes, both sir. of these so much. <laughs> yeah, the, the, some of the best, best storytelling about these specific because uh, really it centered New Jack centered a lot around uh, the mass transit incident, which is mm -hmm. if you're a wrestling fan. Who got on the internet? Once you like got that's like one of those things you just yeah. Can I uh, ask your mouth watered did, about? Did ahead. you did you like tape trade to get that back in the day or like get I, it? I never actually saw it. I didn't. I didn't ever get to see it until later. It came out like somebody posted it on the internet. I never. Right. It was something of like when I heard about it, I thought it was even more insane than when it actually was because it was so rumored to be how intense. So, but yeah, the New Jack I mean, like, one was that great. and the Muda scale were, were two of the big ones for me. You know that that Muda Hase yeah. match where Muda just like created the scale that everyone rates playing jobs by, <laughs> which I always thought was funny. But yeah, I eventually I recently watched that not like terribly recently, but within mm. the last year, watched that again. Yeah, it's it's fucking gnarly. It's a great like, match too. I watched it within the last, um, I'd say, it was like a month ago, and there's also one prior to that. Um, where Hase bleeds a fucking bucket load, which I would argue was even better. 
Uh, Testament yeah. to Buddha's stamina. Like, the fact that he can bleed that much and then still, like, go that long is fucking crazy. Mm. And also, he's, um, he's reacting to it and kind of, like, mm. selling with it and, like, like selling oh around God. it and really, like, getting the most out of it kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So That's good. definitely why a lot of wrestlers get hard on for doing blood, because, like, look how much it can add to a story, really, in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, from, from this bloody uh, 100 best bloody wrestling matches list that I've been making my way through for this illustration project, I've, I've forgotten just how amazing just a great bloody wrestling match can be. It really just adds something that is uh, just next level. But, I mean, that's completely different to the mass transit incident. <laughs> yeah, this, this is just a man trying to, to brutalize a guy for the sake of his own enjoyment, not for anything else. <laughs> well, it sounds like the fans enjoyed it, and uh, most importantly, Sandman enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Fucking my favorite Jack. part of the documentary, might I say, just the, the reaction of them telling uh, Sandman why uh, New Jack like New Jack's motivation, and then Sarah's just bursting into laughter. <laughs> yeah. The whole bit was great. Jack being so open about how he was constantly high when he was wrestling, like, yeah. I, I don't even know I was so high, man. <laughs> Dude, there was so much stuff in this documentary to where I'm really glad I watched it alone, because there was, like, certain points where I would just, like, burst into literal laughter, like, similar to Sandman, just from some fucked up shit that New Jack would say. It's completely inappropriate. People think you're fucked up from laughing at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine if someone, even someone that knows me, you know? <laughs> I don't know if it's partially probably because of, like, you know, the doing bloody wrestling shit like myself back in the day to where I'm a little bit desensitized about it. And also sure. I was, like, the kind of person that would just fucking hate someone like like that mass transit guy to where yeah. I, don't, I don't want to say I feel like he deserved it. But at the same time, I don't really blame New Jack for what he did. I fucking love the backstory that he got into the business. He's just this guy at flea markets wrestling two black midgets. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest story. And the, the one midget, like, it's... All right, sorry, little person. I, whatever. Uh, the, the one that they actually have on the show, he's like... Uh, I don't even care if Eric hears this. I don't care if Jack hears this. Like he was like the most <laughs> bad motherfucker ever. Oh yeah, he was he was hilarious actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's actually he might have stole the whole documentary besides you know Jack himself. I mean, it's hard to top New Jack's even to this day. New Jack was there's no one like New Jack. Um, so the, the the fall that he hates Vic Grimes over is the one where he actually he jumps first and has to pull Vic down with him and Vic lands on top of New Jack's head, right? Well, I, I do. If I was in New Jack's position right then and we got up there and we were on fucking live pay-per-view and we're like going to do this and then this fucking guy bitches out at the last minute and's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I think I would have thrown him off myself as well, just to be yeah. fair. Uh, so I, I can understand New Jack's frustration and then getting his fucking skull broken by this yeah. fucking idiot landing on him. Yeah. Uh, and that being said, probably tasering him. I'll send him off. I didn't even, I, I don't know whether I forgot about the taser part. But... Yeah, I didn't know. I, I honestly didn't know that part. I just thought he threw him off. I had no idea he tased him off. I can't feel my legs. You won't need them. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, the line of the century. Holy crap. Oh my gosh. I mean, the finishing bit of someone asking what they want the end of the, the New Jack feature movie drama thing, and it'd be like, just me, just me in a fucking wheelchair, just snowing the whole fuck down of coke. Yeah. <laughs> I want to party with New Jack. I just don't want him to get him mad at me. He seems like, that's the weirdest thing, because people make him out to be a bad dude. But all of these bad things that he, you know, did, to me, are at least 50% justified. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to me, to a point, I was thinking about this. You know, most of these situations, you know, if, if you have someone that's just a, a piece of shit idiot that makes their way through life, most people are going to be nice enough to where they're not going to really suffer much for being a piece of shit idiot. But sometimes, sometimes you run into a motherfucker that just doesn't suffer fools lightly. And that's yeah. where you're really going to, you know, get those kind of consequences. And that's kind of what I feel like New Jack is in life, really. Yeah, yeah. He's not a Denzel type, like a Denzel's <laughs> friend. <laughs> oh, I wish they showed more excerpts of, uh, of that. That's Beyond the Mat. Beyond the Mat. Fuck, that is one of my favorite things ever. Just like... New Jack going to uh, what was it? It was a sort of well, some sort of audition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bro, and, shut up! And just the the relationship between um, New Jack and and Barry Bloom in the documentary as well, and just how nice New Jack can be. And we kind of saw yeah. that a bit in the documentary with the um, promoter of that that last shitty indie show that he did in um, in Florida or whatever. Where he's like, New Jack's really nice. He's a great cook. He's he's really nice to talk to. He can tell a great story. And they're like, what did he cook? And he's like, was that, was that spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> he did, yeah, he boiled noodles and heated sauce. <laughs> yeah. But still, I, I get what he means, you know? It's like the and that you can say that for a lot of people in wrestling. They can be huge pieces of shit in some ways. But at the same time, like your interactions with them, you can be like He's a huge piece of shit, but he's a good dude at the same time. It's like a weird double-edged sword, I think. Dude, he, Hitler's dog liked him, so. <laughs> as Norm Macdonald put it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anything else on this, this documentary, apart from just uh, pure joy? Yeah, nothing I can really think of, but yeah, just that one's really solid. I didn't think they could get enough out of just him being a crazy asshole, but I was proven wrong. Dude, I think I'm going to get his book, hey. Hmm. I, I've started following on him on Twitter after this, and just his, like, responses, like, to the assholes that just, like, call him out and bury him and tell him he's a bad wrestler, just make my day. It's, it's truly wonderful. Well, the thing is, when people say someone's a bad wrestler, it's because they're all hung up with people having to do wrestling moves to be considered a good professional wrestler. And that has nothing to do with being a good professional wrestler at all, unfortunately. Um, and they just need to get off their high horse and say, hey, New Jack, come fucking kick a motherfucker's ass and bring your garbage can lid. Well, I, I think the people that are burying him from what I've seen on Twitter themselves have no idea what actual good wrestling is. They just want to be pieces of shit. 
Um, oh, they're just following the lead? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But um, no, it's funny you say that because I watched a new New Jack match recently from um, those Smoky Mountain days. Oh, that, that was a really interesting part of the documentary, hey, about like with D-Lo and them talking about the original iteration of the gangsters down there and being like such heels and just creating fucking havoc and the whole idea of like getting these fucking, you know, white Southern fans to like call them the fucking N word. And then that's like a positive response. So yeah. fucked up. But yeah, I watched um, one of the, the matches from that time um, from one of the more high regarded, highly regarded feuds um, that the gangsters had in Smoky Mountain against the, the thugs, which was um, Tracy Smothers and Dirty White Boy. And holy shit, I have never seen New Jack actually be, wrestle and be athletic. He did, like, this crazy, awesome, like, running, flipping lariat thing from the apron, like, three rows into the crowd. He was fucking awesome back then. I was amazed. Did it look intentional? No, second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other funny thing about that, I guess, is Back then is when Cornette turned babyface against the black guys. Like, like he, Cornette finally had a babyface run against some black guys, and people don't think that Jim Cornette's a racist for some reason. What do you mean a babyface run? Because Cornette was always like the big time heel in. But against didn't they, didn't they make him a babyface against the uh, fucking gangsters? I thought that's what they said. No, no, they had the bit where where Ricky Morton just got the fucking shit beaten out of him. But no, the whole time I think Cornette oh, I've, was a big time heel, and it was um, more the, the baby faces that um, the the gangsters would be working with are more like your you know your classic southern heroes kind of thing. Whereas like for all of the Smoky Mountain I've ever seen, um, Cornette was nothing but a but a piece of shit heel and wasn't portrayed as like the actual you know person in charge of the promotion. Then I misread, and I apologize. Boy, is my face red. That's egg on my face, sir. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries, friend. Uh, so then we move on to an episode that I was really looking forward to when I first heard about it, that it was going to be the subject of one of the episodes. Um, this is the Brawl for All. Now, I had vague memories of the Brawl for All from back in the day. Uh, I knew it was bad. And I knew that it was just a complete fucking explosion and didn't in any way go the way they wanted it to. Uh, but just watching this documentary just makes you appreciate how fucking stupid it was on a whole nother level. Hey, uh, I, I remembered it very well and fondly. I thought it was ridiculous and insane. And at the time when I was younger, I didn't necessarily think it was fucking real. I was... You it was a once work. I realized everything, once I realized wrestling was a work, I figured pretty much everything was, and I didn't think Vince McMahon would actually put the health of his wrestlers on the line. I started to realize, <laughs> as, yeah, I started to realize it was pretty legit by the way uh, people were getting dropped. But I even thought the well, last I mean, that's funny because I think there was probably a lot of other people, you know, casual viewers that would have taken it the exact same way as you, where they'd be like, well, I know this isn't real because it's wrestling, but that looks pretty yeah. fucking painful. And then the the way the JBL and Bart Gunn match ended always looked, to me, like they were definitely trying to get Bart over. And it looked like maybe that was a little bit of a working match, but I don't know. I... That's my conspiracy hat on, 
And the brawl for all, the best part of this whole documentary was them getting Vince Russo in on the act to admit that he's an asshole and he fucked up royally without even knowing he's admitting it. (laughs) I I watched it and through the whole thing, I was just incensed because I fucking hate Vince Russo. I think there's two people that are like the most destructive in the history of professional wrestling. They are Vince McMahon Jr. and Vince Russo. Um, But I I think just, I mean, I, I don't think Vince Russo even knew by the end of this documentary how much of a fucking idiot he was. Like, I don't even think he knew how wrong he was. I mean, he was like, I know the bit at the end where he was like, you know, he said, oh, well, now, you know, we know about concussion, so I don't, we wouldn't do it now. But he still didn't say that it was a terrible idea at the time. Yeah, and even at one point he kind of did, but he did, he kind of even backtracked within hmm. the same sentence. Like, yeah, he's, and I just love how he just basically said, yeah, uh, I did it to... Simply to bust JBL's balls. JBL was running his mouth. Vince McMahon bit on it, and here we're off and running. And it's a th- yeah, it's, it's like a Nokiaism. It made everyone look like shitheads. All the real wrestlers look like jackasses because oh, they're getting man, kicked by that, the. That right there is a low blow. I will not stand for you comparing that fucking bullshit. <laughs> I was being, to the I magic, was being hyperbolic. To the magic that I fucking love. That is Nokiaism, sir. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but I just, I just felt the need to bite. I felt the need to Understood. bite. But yeah, I, what a cock swinging move! He, like, I don't like what this fucking Southern Texas wrestler is saying. So I'm gonna book a whole tournament just so he gets his ass whooped, and the guy almost wins it. Ugh. Yeah, I, I, I loved yeah where it was just like, what kind of fucking. Um, piece of shit does it require to put all of these guys' livelihood <laughs> at risk? And it really did. And cost the company, like, fucking millions of dollars with what they could have made with, like, a properly done Dr. Death feud with, with Austin. Uh, and he did it all just for a fucking tiff with JBL. Like... <laughs> What the fucking fuck? My my favorite part of the docu- of this episode of the documentary was he very much uh, Jim Cornette. Um, we very we definitely differ on our, our um, opinions of Jim Cornette. I fucking love him, and Jeremy do very much hate him. Uh, <laughs> but I just felt some sort of crazy zen anytime. I, I hear uh, Jim Cornette just explain what a complete fucking piece of shit and idiot Vince Russo is. And it's like, if I was in that situation, I think I would want to strangle him just as much as, as uh, Cornette did. Like, that that was uh, a good good time. All of the, the interview moments of uh, of Jim, Jim Cornette in that one for me were just... They made the, the episode. Dude, I... I... Do think Jim Cornette, the man, is a pretty much a dumb shit asshole. But I do enjoy me some Jim Cornette. Don't get me wrong. Like he's entertaining as fuck when he goes off. Uh, even when I don't agree with him, because I used to listen to his podcast all the time, he can be very entertaining. But yeah, his, he he was definitely a highlight of these. Even the last documentary he was uh, in the series, he was a part of. It was great. Yeah, I mean, like no matter what people think of him, his his knowledge and appreciation of wrestling history is, is second to none. 
I think he, he even knows a fuck ton more than, than Dave Meltzer, frankly. Um, I, I don't think there's anyone around that, that can even approach his, his level of knowledge when it comes to that stuff. And, and that's what I think is, yeah, a real great part of these, these documentaries, just getting that kind of insight. Um, there was a great part where they went into the, the draws, um, you know, injury, which I didn't think mm. they were going to touch on, um, where they, I guess, you know, to make sense for a casual viewer who was like, oh, why was this guy so jacked up and healthy looking in these matches and now he's in a fucking wheelchair? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they were talking about the injury and holy shit's in the the, the uh, D-Lo talk about it as well and hearing draws like I'd never heard both of them kind of given their, give their perspectives on it like that which was quite heart-wrenching but then um, the real poignant part to me was where um, Cornette was talking about it and saying just how fucking bad it is and how it's like you know people can fucking be paralyzed in that ring and like that is the reason why he gets so fucking hot on people treating pro wrestling like a fucking joke because like you can die doing this shit like so there was something about that that really resonated with me i think oh 100 yeah that his very passionate uh one of the parts i really liked more of a comical one was mm. uh, after billy and bart had their fight and had to go back oh, to the room shit. and hang out together and just <laughs> sit in that fucking stink of awkwardness like i yeah, couldn't a little bit even imagine yeah <laughs> and then they had to wrestle like the next night yeah Which, insane i mean talk about negligence you have guys like get fucking knocked out knocked loopy in a fucking shoot fight and then you're making them take bumps and wrestle the next night are you fucking kidding yeah. me <laughs> and they didn't even touch on that point but i that was just something that i couldn't get past Oh, there was another bit where Russo was blowing up on uh, on Cornette, calling him out for being the cunt that he is. Um, and he was like, bro, it's fucking wrestling. Like, can you imagine getting that hot about fucking wrestling? Like, just talking about it in such a demeaning fucking way. And this is another reason why I just detest this piece of shit. Um, and then cutting over to, to Cornette and he's that was his thing. He's like, and Russo was like, it's wrestling, it's wrestling. You know, like, it doesn't matter. And he's like, just so impassioned and matter-of-factly spoken to the camera and was like, pro wrestling has been the most important thing in my life. And I, I believed every second word that he said about that. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I think that really gives an insight to a lot of people like, oh, why does Cornette take shit so serious? It's like, I can understand that. I can completely relate to that. Yep, yeah, and at the same time, it makes Jim Cornette very scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy takes wrestling very... Don't fuck with this motherfucker's wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was it was a really good episode. And, yeah, the, the interviews with, uh, with Bart Gunn, particularly, I thought were, were super interesting, too. Like, I never really thought about his insight. And just the idea that you make it through as, like, this scrub that's on the bottom of the card who Kevin Kelly's like, hey, you should do this. You'll get a push out of it. Okay. <laughs> and then you end up getting heat because you beat all the people that they don't want you to beat, even though you try to avoid that heat. And then you end up getting sent home 
because you won the fucking thing. Can you imagine the frustration of this man? <laughs> that was one of the best parts is when Jim Ross pulled him aside and said, no hard feelings. And that's when I knew <laughs> I had eat. <laughs> oh, man. And it, that's a weird thing because I, I was watching that and I didn't feel – I mean, I felt bad for, for Bart, obviously. I felt real bad for – I think the person I most felt most bad for this whole thing out of was, was Steve Williams. He was the one that got the most fucked over by this joke. Yeah, they shouldn't even put him in that position. He's like a legit badass. They made him just put in an opportunity where something – he could slip on the banana peel and get fucked or in this opportunity – uh, rip your hamstring and get fucked. And yeah, the thing was, it wasn't like him being, you know, revealed to be not the badass that everyone thought he was. Like, nope. he fucking tore his hamstring and kept fighting. Like a fucking yeah. monster. <laughs> yeah. Like that's... Permanently injuring him. Yeah, never the same again. But, fuck. And yeah, in the same way, like, I didn't get the whole... Seems to be like a negativity against Jim Ross. It was like, oh, they were trying to protect... His buddy, Steve Williams, and all, you know, trying to protect him and all this shit. It's like, I didn't get that feeling. I think Jim Ross was just put in a really shitty position and was like, this is fucking dumb. And he could just see the talent of a guy, you know, just complete first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind, a guy like Steve Williams, having his, his real final big North American run that should have been a success, just fucked over by this ridiculous idea. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, Godfather admitting oh. how much he was getting high uh, throughout this competition. <laughs> how much of a ledge did Godfather just from start to finish in this? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Where he said how his like wife or girlfriend was pissed off at him for not winning the money because she thought he was smoking yeah. too much weed. <laughs> yeah. So I was hanging out with some girls smoking weed. <laughs> like right on Godfather. And then, of course, the bit with Butterbean where, like, Butterbean's like, hey, you know, oh, yeah. full, full respect to, to you guys. I know you guys are tough, but, you know, I'm a fucking prize fighter. I'm going to clean this guy's clock. And, of course, that happens in a room while Godfather is smoking weed. <laughs> and I, the best thing about the Butterbean thing is he's like, yeah, they brought me in as, like, some punishment for Bart because he, I guess, beat their guy. <laughs> like, Butterbean is all open about how he was brought in as a hater to just beat the shit out of this guy. <laughs> oh, dude. So good. I honestly love this Dark Side of the Ring series. I've watched every episode from season one all the way up to, to this last one, and they're all good. Have you yep. gone back and watched any of season one yet? Oh, I watched all of them in the span of one day, and oh, awesome. it was a te it was a terrible decision because afterwards <laughs> I was I was so raw that I'm like, oh, wrestling is so depressing. Everyone <laughs> dies. Everyone dies. Like oh. the Gino one, I found the most was one of the most interesting ones. Yes, me. I was gonna say. I think of all of them. I mean, with the exception of the the Benoit double episode that I don't really want to talk about, but. Um, I thought the Gino one just as a start to finish episode was just insanely interesting and uh, just so well done. And it's a story that I think a lot of wrestling fans have no idea of, but super interesting. Yeah, I don't honestly, I think that Texas stuff is like Gino. I don't think I've ever seen him work, I've, oh, I've never man. taken the time to go back and look at his stuff. 
Dude, you, you should. I mean, between watching his single stuff, and there's a lot of it up now because the, the old Paul Bosch um, Houston territory was previously behind a, a paywall by that um, dickhead Bruce Tharp that took over NWA before it was sold to Billy Corgan. Um, but yeah, now a lot of it's just all on, on available on YouTube, and you can just see how fucking talented and much a superstar this guy was. But also, I think if you ever see his tag team, with uh, Gino and, and Tully, that is yeah. so great. Like, ah, oh, man. They're just the, the greatest asshole, like, arrogant heels that you'll ever see. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah, so good. And, yeah, I mean, the world-class episode as well with Omid the Von Eriks. I mean, another quite depressing subject, but I thought that was really, really well done. Man. I just love Viceland, really. Yeah, they're nailing it. Hundred mm, percent. I can't wait for the next uh, next ones coming up. Um, and the the Herb Abrams UWF. I'm. I know. I think Dave Meltzer said that he wasn't looking forward to that at all. But I'm I'm pumped for that because that. Do you know much about that? Isn't he the guy who died covered in cocaine and Vaseline? <laughs> That is that is the uh, the rumor, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely need to uh, hear. Yeah, we got to see that, that one. Story. <laughs> oh man, good times. All right, so um, next up, oh, looks like we may have a run in. Ooh. Oh, hang on, let's see if this is uh, this is gonna work. One moment, people. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. this uh, run-in is uh, none other than my cousin, Ben. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank Welcome. you, fellas. Glad to be here. <laughs> now, I'll have uh, little applause there. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Now, Ben um, joined uh, Jeremy and, and uh, I and John and the rest of everybody uh, at uh, Mania Weekend. So I guess that's where, where you guys know one another most, right? Yep, yep. Yep, that's correct. Actually, you don't know, uh, after that, we've spent many occasions together, Chris. Uh, oh, no, really? Yeah, that's the one time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. It's always good when, uh, when you find people know one another better than you think, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so the, the reason yeah. that uh, we, we thought this, this run-in with Ben might be a, a good idea is because our next topic of conversation is a fantastic documentary that uh, Jeremy, myself, and also Ben watched uh, about the great Sasuke. Uh, now, the reason I thought Ben would be relevant for this is both because he watched the documentary, but also <laughs> because um, Ben is uh, my, my on-and-off-again uh, Japanese travel companion, who uh, we've watched a, a ridiculous amount of incredible Japanese wrestling live in person over there. And one of the first shows that we, we ever went to was... That was the first. That was the first. Was the, Shit. The, the first. In Sendai, a uh, Michinoku yep. Pro Show. Uh, so this is Sasuke's company. So I thought it would be cool for us to talk about it from that perspective. And also all three of us got mm. to see Sasuke wrestle uh, Joey Janela in person as well, right? Yeah, yes. that was fucking nuts. That was insane. 
some of those things he was fucking doing in that match were just ridiculous. <laughs> that one, the one where we started the garbage bin on t- from the top ropes, I just I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And how long fuck. it took. Like, all right, we're getting the, we're getting this garbage can spot, and I fucking die up on top of this turnbuckle. It was like five or six times he tried, wasn't it, to get it done? Yeah, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, with the benefit oh. of hindsight, that is kind of an analogy for this documentary on really just Sasuke's approach to life. You know, stuff just didn't yeah. go quite well, but one way or the other, he's just going to fucking keep going. Yeah. yeah, no matter how bad it looks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I guess before we get into the documentary, why don't we talk a little bit about, um, uh, I guess, Ben, you probably didn't know much about uh, Michinoku Pro when we first went to that show, right? Well, what did you know going in? Absolutely nothing, <laughs> except for the name Center Very Familiar. Okay. Because it's Targa. Yeah, Taka Michinoku, right, right. Yeah. Uh, That's the only relevance I had to the name. And the bit of artwork you gave to Sasuke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm. Yeah, that was fun. Mm. Um, mm. So the, the venue was a little bit different as well, right, for a, a wrestling show? Yeah. yeah. It was like a little hotel, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So, and it had that massive statue next to it. It was like fucking 40 metres tall. And like a of that lady. Of flowers or something at the yeah. entranceway. Yeah. And it, it was yeah, almost like yeah. a, a ball, hotel ballroom that this, this show took place at. Um, but yeah, like getting there was a weird thing because we got, got into Sendai. And then I think we maybe had to get a taxi or something to yeah. get to the actual no, show. Yeah, we had to get a taxi. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun experience too. Yeah, well, that was our first Japanese taxi experience, wasn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's the only time we've ever catch, caught a taxi in Japan as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't remember another time. No, I think it, it's good but... to minimise taxis for anyone's um, <laughs> anyone's advice. If you're thinking about going to Japan, just try to keep it on the, the trains as much as possible. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that language barrier is never easy. No, no. You know, what did I pay? Did I was that right? <laughs> I think that basically basically was our problem. We had no idea what it was asking for when it came to paying. Yeah, yeah. Just like take what you want. <laughs> um, like sweets. Because we were also running late for the show too, weren't we? Because uh, we, we we ran in as the guy was singing the song. Yeah, but I mean, we we made it right there at bell yeah. time then, because mm. yeah, that's what we yeah. found. The, the, was it the same song in the documentary that he sang? Yep. Sure as fuck. That's rad. Yep. So we got to see I that even, song in person. Yeah. I even filmed the song. That's the yeah. first thing I ever did of a, in a Japanese wrestling show. Filmed the guy singing the song. Oh, that was. You need to send that to, to Jeremy, actually. That yeah, was pretty yeah, cool. We'll do. I forgot completely that you recorded that when you sent it through um, last week. It made me so happy. Yeah. It's um, such a beautiful cool. song, and then you start reading the lyrics, you're like. Oh. The song is actually about wrestling? What the hell? <laughs> oh, that that was one depressing song when he started trans, uh, translating it and it just kept getting worse and worse and <laughs> yeah. worse. It's like... What a bummer. It just brought me down. It's like the song sounds so good and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, like his wife... Like country music. Him. Yeah, <laughs> country music for wrestling. But, but at least he still has wrestling in the end. Yeah, yeah. and he loses yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Non-stop <laughs> losing wrestling, but it'll just keep getting back up. Love it. Yeah. 
Oh god. Oh, so yeah, I mean, I, I like how the documentary op- opens up with fucking uh, Sasuke coming out like it is the skimpiest gear he possibly could own, and then his little uh, angel, black angel wings, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in front of children. <laughs> it's weird. like. Oh, the, the, those wings! It seemed like what a little girl would wear to like a costume party. hundred percent, like our stripper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, stripper thing. <laughs> the best thing about that was like, he when you see him, typically he's wearing the the full garb. So when he's wearing just the trunks, he looks especially in trunks. You know what I mean? Like for some reason, Sasuke looks more like Sasuke. looks more like he's in under, underwear. Than other wrestlers. Oh, they're definitely skimpy <laughs> trunks. Like they're definitely that yeah. lower cut. Because I think he just, by the sounds of it, just like almost killed himself to really get in the best shape of his life. Because mm. this is a guy who, for most of his career, wore you know the long pants, the like gi type of thing. Most of his body mm. all covered up, and then he gets to age forty-two and is like, "Fuck, it's really time for me to do a bunch of steroids and get in good shape." <laughs> <laughs> Always I advisable. Fact, I don't know for a fact he did steroids, but I'm just putting some dots together. I don't know. Uh, um, I could I could see him needing steroids to get the body going because mm-hmm. of how much damage it has. Yeah. yeah. Fuck the wear and tear. When you see him at the end when he's fucking walking with those knee braces, it's like, man, you're going to be in a wheelchair fucking when you stop moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, <sighs> I mean, he, he sort of changed a little bit more uh, over these last few years because I guess there was a separation from the end of this documentary and when, when Ben and I saw him wrestle for the first time, what, like four years or something? Yeah, 2015 I think it was. Yeah, so we slowed down a bit more. He's doing kind of his, uh, how would you describe his gimmick that we saw uh, that day, Ben? I don't know how I'd describe it, actually. Kind of like a shaman type oh, of shaman. magic man yeah. thing. He's got the Brahmin brothers that are like his followers. He's, uh, he uses uh, his uh, magical mind powers to, to do certain things. <laughs> Definitely an interesting cat, but uh, it was well, very it was cool to see him in person. Quite contrasting to how we saw him in uh, the spring break show. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I guess the mm. difference between doing a normal house show in Japan versus, you know, going all out for this show that you've been flown halfway around the world to do because mm. of this, like, hard, hardcore niche of fans that just fucking love you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, very, very different. You're right. Um, but, but I couldn't remember who'd actually fight wrestling that match. The one that we watched him in in Sendai. Yeah. Uh, it was like a tag, so I think it was against like the, the generic kind of heels that they've uh, got mm. there. One of the dudes with like a mohawk. I think they're just like sort of mm. the bad guys. It might have been mm. um, uh, anyway. Don't want to spend a podcast wondering what that was. Uh, but <laughs> the overall experience, as always, was very cool, um, and you get a different a feel for the company. Like it's a pretty small company. They're, they're yeah. you know, not on their best best uh, moments of success uh, but they're still just doing their best to, to carry along um, and it was an awesome show all around I'm really glad we got to go to it mm. no, I was really enjoying especially really enjoying that main event it was a uh, I can't remember his name the guy who said had cancer yeah uh, just Hayato, real Hayato Junior Fujita um, who yeah, mm. is struggling with um, brain cancer at the moment I believe but mm. just incredible wrestler 
and uh, one of my favorites mm. from um, Osaka mm. Pro and then Okinawa, uh, Gaina. It's just a big hoss of a man. And yeah, we got to see mm. a 30 minute draw between those two. And it was just mm. one of the best matches that I think we got to see in that whole trip. No, no, no that was a great one, that one. Yeah. Nice way to, to welcome ourselves to Japan. Yeah, for real. So I guess my question to you, kind of how did just the overall experience of that show and kind of, you know, the way things were set up and it was like a bit of a family vibe to it, I guess. How did mm. that compare to then when you're watching this documentary and you're like, oh, and I mean, was it, did it kind of meet your expectations or was it kind of a bit different or what? Oh, for me, it met my expectations. It was, at the same time, it was really interesting. It was really sad. Yeah. <laughs> just the... Because everything he, he tries and tries and tries, he never gives up. But it's like he just gets repeatedly kicked in the balls in life. <laughs> <laughs> so like when he had the first run, he had all the backing, was more popular, so he was, he was able to get through and won. But then when he went back again, because you know why he wanted to help people because of all the trouble they're going through? Mm-hmm. Oh, so the he political, probably, political government yeah. position. Yep. Yeah. And then where it's like, well, probably he may have should have just gone back to maybe doing a few small shows to support the people raise, even though it wasn't a big company, raise a bit of money. Hmm. Instead of the government's thing didn't seem to really be his cup of tea, the way they were, the way they sort of got across, he really wasn't suited to it. Well, it as also much sounded as he like he didn't. he didn't get the backing of the political party the second time. Oh, so he was just an no, independent he, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he was definitely independent by the way they were saying. He's, I think his popularity wasn't as big, so I think that's why he didn't get the back end of a party maybe. Hmm. And also, I guess, was, it probably didn't end up all that well from the fallout of the first one. No, it seemed like he either, if you loved him, you loved him, but he sort of, because he wore the mask, it sort of alienated quite a few people as well. Kind of made him more that of bit was great. Oh, yeah. yeah, that bit was great. Like, here is Sasuke in front of you with his mask on. Does he intimidate you, sir? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, I did um, like that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I love the wife just through this documentary mm. the whole time. Um, but, yeah, her, her just matter-of-factly being like, I told him this was not going to be a good idea when, yeah. you know, he yeah. didn't have one of the parties. Uh, but he was like, no, mm. it's my destiny or something. <laughs> with, with everything that kept telling him, it's like he was so positive, upbeat. It's like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And it's like everyone telling him, is like, no, it's not going to work, Sasuke. Stop. Don't bother. <laughs> but he just kept going. Yeah, right, I mean, straight ahead. Yeah, my favorite part of the whole documentary. Um, was the bit where there's the doctor just talking about all just how fucked up his body is and his neck oh. issues and all this stuff. And he's like, he really shouldn't be wrestling. And then they cut to the wife and she's like, he says he will wrestle until he dies. Yeah. I think it pretty much just summed it up because it's like, yeah, I can definitely see that him being that person is like wrestling and, t- and he just dies in the ring. Yeah, he, his kids like he, dad he, always comes back injured. Mm. <laughs> he just is like, there's no limit to what he's willing to do because yeah. that's how much he loves it. It's like it was inspirational to see how much he loves it and how much he's willing yeah. to go through. But it's like disconcerting as yeah, well. You've, yeah, because yeah. you got you got like a, a wife, kids. It's like 
the way you're going, you're not going to be there to actually see them for much longer because the amount of pain he puts his body through. Mm. Fuck. Yeah, he's definitely a madman. So, and, I mean, that's I guess that's mm. what we all know about Sasuke. Like, he's a fucking mm. madman. But it's really interesting, I guess, watching this documentary and you separate, like, that crazy over-the-top madman wrestler character to, like, mm. the real guy who is legitimately... <laughs> Yeah, he, he, came, he came off more of a crazy person. Like, before, I like, oh, Sasuke's rad. He's got this cool ninja gimmick, does all this crazy shit. Now I know he's actually, like, a crazy guy. And the fact that he's a wrestling promoter simultaneously just, how is this crazy person trying to keep this thing together? It's insane. Also, how good yeah, is yeah. it? How did Taka Michinoku get the last, like, he clearly got the name from Sasuke, right? Well, he was basically named after the promotion. Yeah. Okay, I, that's just weird that they did that. Like, we're going to bring in our top star, who just happens to be the same last name as what we're fucking company is called. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> I guess it's like, like WWE involved in, in hiring a guy like, this is John World Wrestling Entertainment. <laughs> well, hey, they almost did that with fucking Ken Kennedy when they were real high on him, and they were going to make him Vince McMahon's son. That was a thing. Yeah. Fair, but still. <laughs> it's a stretch. Oh, I think one of my other favorite parts of this documentary um, was, so going back to his second political rally to get into office, and so you can tell this isn't going well. And you mean when he brings out the Hummer? Oh, yeah, that that was pretty great. Uh, also, Jinsei Shinzaki, who was um, American wrestling fan, <laughs> you would know him as Hakushi. Uh, so I love this. He has to rescue the promotion, and he's like, "So yes, yeah, so I've brought in Jinsei Zaki to take over the books." And he's like, "I had a, a, a you know bookkeeping friend take over. I'll have a look at have a look at the, the books to see where things are at." And he's like, "This looks like a promotion that has been dead." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that bit. Oh. And yeah, Jin Zaki oh, just man. threw it into that you know next political run. He's just like. He's just, like, casually burying Sasuke through the whole documentary. He's <laughs> like, he's just, he has good, good, uh, he means well, but he's just sloppy. Uh, yeah. I, I really yeah. love the driving around and yelling at people yeah. through a <laughs> megaphone about what you're trying to get your message out. Like, you're driving too fast for anyone to get a coherent good amount of this message. You're like, what the fuck did that guy say? But <laughs> we like, actually, when we were in Japan, I swear we saw... That happened multiple times. Yeah, we'll actually do it. Go. They're yeah. driving around with the vans, and you actually hear the loudspeaker going. It's like you have no idea what the fuck they're saying, <laughs> but it actually that's how they they promote their friggin' that they run for uh, what was it assembly or yeah, their I can't little government the name, but oh. like the prefectural kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we would have seen those those dudes on the corners and like having people yeah. like gathered around them and all those signs and stuff. Mm. So yeah, mm. we definitely saw that while we were there. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, speaking of that bit driving with the loudspeaker, I think my other favorite part of the documentary was where they're driving and it's like into the night and he's like on top of the car and he's still talking at the loudspeaker and they're just going over like a darkened bridge when no one is around, just like, <laughs> no one is there and he's just yelling into the darkness on his, on his loudspeaker about, great Sasuke, great Sasuke. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I love when he kept apologising for actually mate for actually yelling out before he'd do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry for <laughs> sorry for the noise. It's uh, the other good part is like people just they notice me, and it's not just because of the mask. <laughs> <laughs> heartbreaking part about this whole documentary was when he realizes the failure of the oh, he has lost and to be fair i was surprised that he got the like four and a half thousand votes that he did i wasn't expecting that much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but they actually had it filmed like his actual it's almost like that fucking ralph thing on the simpsons where they actually have film his heart breaking oh yeah <laughs> and they're like how are you feeling right now and he's like I'm mortified. <laughs> like, he thinks this is his life's destiny, that this is going to happen, yeah. and they film the fucking moment where he realises mm. how wrong he was. And then they even go yeah. further to, like, where the campaign manager is apologising to everyone who would, like, yeah. you know, try to help out. And then he's like, yes, Sasuke did not do well. Sasuke was too egotistical. <laughs> and then Sasuke is there too nodding. Arrogant, he's like, too? too arrogant. And he's like, yes, yes, yeah. I, was, I was too arrogant. Too I was arrogant. definitely too arrogant. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> he really yeah, took it in his stride, though. Uh, well, he definitely was good at that throughout his life, taking things in his stride when he just kept getting kicked in the guts. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was one who just kept going, no matter how dire it looked. It was a weird story of hope, I guess. Is that is that what this was? It started <laughs> off that way, but it definitely did not end that way. <laughs> Dude, I, I... I like how they all... Another fun part, mm. was just a small thing, was they every time he changed masks, they had to show him changing his mask <laughs> to another mask. Like, they didn't need to... They could show that once, it would, it would have been fine. But no, he showed up like damn near every time he did it. But you know why they did? Because mm. this this stuck with me. So he did it like seamlessly all the way through the movie, one mask to another, mm. one mask to another, uh, and then ride it like when shit was really going bad, and he was at his like oh, fair. His yeah. roughest yeah, part, yeah. and he just struggled <laughs> so much. I was almost like, does this fucking mask on top of everything, the mask is like the wrong size or something? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. And then oh, he had those God. fucking kids at the school, and that was kind of like where he like started to feel good again, I guess, right at the end, where they're mm. like, what is that? What is this scar on your body? What is this? And he's like, yes, I got stabbed by a light tube. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice how both kids like asked him to do double biceps for some reason hey can you pose like this and then they would do double biceps like what was their fascination with double bicep pose and he was okay with it he, he, i think that's the thing if you ever meet sasuke ask him to do a double bicep pose for you and he'll happily accommodate <laughs> <laughs> the one kid you're sweaty <laughs> oh. oh yeah this um documentary I just found so fascinating I think more than anything it was like sad some points it was a bit slow but overall just so fascinating glimpse into a very mm. strange but amazing man oh yeah yeah very true very true <laughs> anything else to add to it guys I think we've about covered it 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty good coverage. Nice, nice. Uh, well, I guess the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, some some Sendai girls. Uh, so we we've been a little, we felt a little bit behind, honestly, with our Sendai girls coverage. Very sorry, listeners. Uh, so we watched up to that that big Sari Chihiro Hashimoto match um, from I want to say like September of last year. So basically, Jeremy and I have, have caught back up, powered on through, and we've watched basically from November to early February, I think, in highlight form. And Ben even watched one of these yeah. matches. The uh, I, I did see a really good tag match. Yeah, I think the, the December one. Thing, uh, I think it was hmm. uh, just a, a, a six-woman tag. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so, oh, just a second. One moment, guys. Alright, so um, the first match, uh, let me just bring this up. Uh, now, Ben, you'll have to uh, bear, bear with us, is that the same? I guess. Um, but the first one we watched was from November. It was from the 9th of November, in fact. It was a straight up tag, not a, not a six woman tag. And this one uh, was Meko Satomura. Teaming with Jeremy and I's uh, potentially our new favourite, I think, in Siuri, against uh, Ayame Sasamura and our former favourite, Sari. Uh, do you have any recollection of this match whatsoever, Jeremy? None whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it can, that's the dangerous part about watching a whole bunch of matches, right? Uh, you just forget certain oh, ones. So true. Dude, yeah, we power through the only one. The only stuff that really sticks out in my mind is uh, the Battle Royal, which was hilarious with uh, uh, hang on, hang on. Hiroda. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll do this in chrono- chronological order. Okay, okay, um, let's go. So, so sorry. November 1. So we have, I'm very sorry, listeners, but we watched this match. I remember it being really good, the uh, November 1. Would recommend checking it out. Um, I think... Yeah, but we, we don't have much takeaway from it. <laughs> um, but yeah, watch it. It was good. Okay, then we move on to the November match that uh, we we all did indeed watch. This was from, uh, let me see. I thought mine was December. Yeah, December. Sorry, I said November. I meant, uh, yeah. meant December. December. So that one is from, uh, let me see here. I'm just bringing up the details. From the 20th of December. So this was would have been after I, I saw their, their tag tournament thing when I was in Japan. And this one was in Sendai of all places. How about that? Hey, what do you know? Great place. Yeah. I mean, for a company that is named after Sendai, who would have thought that they would run shows there? Uh, beautiful city. One of my favorites in Japan. Yeah, same. Uh, and so this was the, the six-woman tag that we were talking about. So this was uh, Ayami Sasamura, Chihiro Hashimoto, and Yu uh, versus uh, the Rewa Ultima Powers, uh, the duo of Dash Chisako and Hiroyu Matsumoto, who are personally my favorite female tag team of all time. It's a big call, but I'm putting it out there. Ooh. This, Huge. This Huge past year of watching Sendo Girls, they really won me over and watching them in that, that tag tournament. Holy shit, they are my favourite. Uh, teaming up with none other than Sari. 
uh, Sari, who is uh, now uh, apparently set to start with uh, WWE in the near future. But who fucking knows right now with all the things yeah, going so on? So true. Uh, so, yeah, I'm wishing her well, um, but just quietly kind of hoping that she just stays in Sendo Girls. But I don't know. Uh, so uh, what, what did we think of this one, gents? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Especially yep. loved that. I think she this was my favourite match of all of the ones that uh, the Jeremy and I watched in this uh, this lot. It was it, it had everything to me that you want in a Sendo Girls match. So who who stood out to you the most, Ben? Did you say? Uh, Dash. Dash. Yep. So Dash Jasako, the um, partner of Hiroyu Matsumoto. Uh, yeah, she she's a badass, huh? Yeah, loved it. She's just so brutal. Great strikes. Yeah, actually, strikes were just so tough. It was like she was actually making them hurt. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to see. Yeah, her the progression of uh, her, especially and a lot of the stuff that we ended up watching, is very noticeable. She's getting a lot stronger. And she has a like a a badass attitude. Like Sari mm-hmm. is a tough chick, but this chick is like a no nonsense badass. Yes, and she has a fucking beautiful frog splash. Wanted to make mention of that. <laughs> oh, you. So good. Yeah, I think she's. Yeah, I agree with you, Jeremy. Like, from all the stuff we watched, she stood out to mm. me the most in terms of consistency. Um, mm-hmm. And I could. I almost want to see her, like, go up to that next level to, like, uh, you know, be a, be a title challenger for Chihiro Hashimoto, maybe. I think she's, a, she's ready. Agreed, yeah. It, it almost even feels like that might be the, the direction they're trying to head. Uh, also in this match, I get, the more I see a you, the more I am impressed. Oh, with how good are her chops? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I enjoy them more every time I see them. They're like, honestly, and I hate to, like, I don't know, this could be perceived as, like, a sexist kind of comment, but, like, they are the best. I mean, I, I build it up like that, and you're expecting something bad. It's not going to be bad. Fuck off. Oh, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I'm just, I reckon she's the, the best female chops I've ever seen in wrestling. Oh, misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the best thing I think about you is, like, she can easily fall into just being, like, a Hashimoto, like, duplicate, but she's not. She's got definitely got her own thing going on there. I also fucking love her tag team with Chihiro Hashimoto. Like, they've got this kind of just, like, power girl tag team just strength thing that's really mm. cool um, and I just think they work really really well together the one that I didn't know uh, anything about up to this is Ayami Sasamura but I remember she she did pretty good she didn't like stand out or anything in a negative way yeah that's all you can ask really isn't it say so yeah there was there was one of these matches where I forget We'll get to it. One of the partners just was not cutting the mustard, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you might, you might... I know. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the ones in uh, January, I want to say. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. Yeah. Um, but in this one, I there's a moment in this that I really I, – I, I took a note on, guys. I, I took Ooh. a note. Here we go. Did you take Whoa. any notes throughout, Jeremy? <laughs> I know you know I did. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to expose you like that. Last time you did. One time I did. Last time you did. You you called me out one time about doing notes. You're like, 
<laughs> Next time I did do notes. <laughs> I don't think I relied on the notes too much. So yeah, it's funny though. Like when you don't take notes, just stuff like that November match, just like fall like mm. the sands through the hourglass of my brain. <laughs> But if you write something down, it can make a difference. I think that's why they get you to write shit down in school, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah some people learn better that way, writing it down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's hope next time we collectively watch Sendo Girls, we maybe make some notes. We'll see. Uh, but the, the part that I made a note of that I thought was significant was there an exchange, as an exchange, I believe, between uh, Haruyu Matsumoto who I fucking love. Uh, I think she's great in a tag team uh, partner of Dash Jasako, big hair, uh, just hoss, like everything about her is great. And she, another one who does not have any problem in laying it in. Uh, there was a, a exchange between her and you. And this was where you was really laying in some of these sweet, real heavy chops. Right. And uh, Matsumoto is just taking them like a fucking boss. And I think that she was, like, maybe striking back with some sweet forearms. Um, but there's a bit where, you know that thing where people are giving someone chops and sometimes they kind of, like, line them up and they, like, put their hand on their chest to kind of get them in the right position? Yeah. Yeah. Preparing for the chop. I mean, we're familiar with this from watching a bit of Japanese wrestling, yeah. I guess. Uh, so you goes to do that to um, Matsumoto to line this next one up. And just without a fucking second, Matsumoto just, like, slaps her fucking hand away and leads to this, uh, is, uh, I think she gives her a really fucking nasty forearm and then just this evil as shit headbutt that looked like she just cleaned her <laughs> clock. <laughs> Almost just like, you fucking taking a moment to line this fucking chop up. Because that's the thing, you know, people line the chop up and they're just like, oh, you wait, you wait for the chop. I fucking love that. No, fucking. Yeah, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was just a real great moment of um of badassery, really. Um, so yeah, I, I love this match. I would highly recommend it. We're gonna share it on the uh the old um Twitter. Uh any other comments, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I think to me the one thing out of this as well. As I watch these going on, I don't know whether I'm like mentally forcing myself to detach from Suri's awesomeness because I feel like if I don't, it'll really hurt me when she's officially left. So as these matches go on, you know, knowing that she's not going to be long for this company, I think I'm actively liking her less <laughs> to protect myself. <laughs> <laughs> be what you're catching up on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I do mm. honestly think that Siri is going to be a fantastic replacement for, for Sari once she's gone. But, I mean, there's still oh, yeah. a fuck ton of talent in this company, which which I love. Mm. Uh, so then, uh, then we moved on to um, the January matches, first of which um, was uh, actually on a Tokyo Joshi Pro show, which is a bit different for us. Um, did you watch this one, Jeremy? 
that is honestly the only one I didn't get around to watch, and I forgot about <laughs> getting back. Ah, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I would recommend that there's a Sari match on that show um, against um, Natsumi Maki. Now she is the girl that we were later disappointed by in the following Sendo Girls tag, uh, but uh, in this match I thought she looked a lot better. And there's a, a, a real good bit where Sari fucking murders her, and it made me real happy. Like, <laughs> I felt guilty how happy it made me. It was those kind of ones. But anyway, if you, if you want to see that, I recommend everyone check that out on the uh, DDT Universe. Um, that is on the uh, 1st of January show. Uh, and it's actually free at the moment on DDT Universe, that show. So I would recommend it there. Uh, next one we're going to talk about is the Battle Royal. And it's just occurring to me, Ben, you didn't watch these matches. It's probably a bit boring for you to have to just well, listen about how great they are. Um, do you want to... Are you good to, to uh, depart now, or do you want to stay on? I'll stay on here a bit more. All right. Good, good. So, get a few reviews. All right. So the Battle Royal. What do you have to tell us about this, Jeremy? Uh, I... It was a lot of fun. Anything centered around uh, Hiroda. Uh, is it Sakura Hiroda? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, she is freaking hilarious. She comes out in the oversized, um, just wearing Mako's gear, wearing a wig, <laughs> pretending to be some sort of stern boss lady the whole time. I like the whole premise and storyline of the whole match. It was really funny. I can't go by pace by pace and every beat by beat, but a really fun... It's super silly, so some people might not like it, but it's a lot. Of, it's a good time. Yeah, for real. Um, I I thought it was interesting this match because there was a lot of comedy and kind of honestly bullshit and some bad wrestling through the most part of this tag this <laughs> yeah. battle royal. To be fair, they had these like guyjin chicks who seemed like they either didn't know what they were doing and they were like they'll pass. Someone. Some girls were corpsing, like, actually laughing. Yes! The bars were <laughs> serious. Yeah, that, I, that was... So, yeah, there were some spots that were just, like, not good wrestling. But then, to me, it really took up. Like, once all of those guys were out of it, and then it just sort of got down to, I want to say, like, Sari Dash Chisako. Um, yeah. And it just... They just like like click their fingers and it's like, all right, we're wrestling properly now. And it was just a fucking badass, serious match from that point on. That's what I like about this show, like or Sendai especially. They, the comedy, like Chris said, it's there's some bullshit in there, but it's still a lot of fun. And then they bring the heat when needed to. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, so this uh, this one was on the 12th of January show that uh, you can find on the Sendo Girls YouTube page. But yeah, it was it was way more fun. I almost skipped it because generally speaking, Japanese battle royals are not very good. <laughs> like they're just they're meant to be dumb, silly fun, and no one really takes them that seriously. Uh, but this actually turned into a really fucking good match down the finishing stretch. Chris, I I apologize. I was so ridiculously engaged in this match when I was watching it. I was like, this is so silly. Chris would probably be annoyed how captivated I am <laughs> in all this ridiculousness. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not mad. I, I, I like that you can appreciate the fun in wrestling sometimes when I switch off because it just gets a little bit too silly, you know? For sure. And I mean, where do you, where do you kind of sit on that, Ben? Like, you... 
generally, I think, are probably a bit more like me when it comes to the goofy kind of stuff. But, I mean, how much time do you have for it? It has its place. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it where it's in, like, the spring break shows. Mm-hmm. But there's other times where it's, like, after a couple of minutes, like, nah, I pretty much zone out and start thinking about something else. Yeah. If I'm there, if you're there live, I think it's different to if you're watching it mm-hmm. on TV or on a show. I think live it come, can come across better. Yeah. But if I'm watching it on TV, it's like, mm, I really doesn't do it for me half the time. It's like, yeah. nah. I can I, definitely understand the being part of the joke thing mm. when you're there is definitely more appealing than, mm. um, okay, this is a little silly. Can we move on now? And I think it depends on the environment yeah. too. Like if it's on a fun sort of indie, you know, smaller kind of show and yeah. it's got like that kind of underground vibe to it, like a, you know, GCW spring break kind of thing, you get into it. But for some reason I, mm. I'm so much shorter with my, my span of, how much I'll tolerate it when this shit happens in like AEW, for example. Like I just don't like oh, it as much in that environment. I hate it in yeah that environment. It just does nothing for me. It annoys the fuck out of me. <laughs> how about you, Jeremy? Before we move on, uh, what annoys the fuck out of him? What like, do you say annoys the fuck out of you, Ben? The goofy shit in uh, AEW. Yeah, oh, it, 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 like, it, it, it's sometimes overly goofy because they're. You, you don't feel like they're so much presenting a joke that they think you'll laugh at. They're like, this is what we think is funny, and if you guys don't laugh, no big deal. Mm. Also, different people. Like, I, I love the Jericho stuff, yep. but I can't oh, yeah. stand that fucking Matt Hardy, Damascus. It fucking <laughs> irritates me. <laughs> it, just, it just keeps going and going and going. Instead of like, okay, 10 seconds, okay, fine. But then it's like a five-minute spiel of the same crap. It's like, oh, my God. God, not again. Yep, I can yeah. relate to you yeah. on that one. Good, good buddy. Hey, Chris, <laughs> uh, before we move on to on the Battle Royal, yep. when uh, Sakura was doing all the Mako spots and she she did the round off knee and then missed and hit her knee and was like selling the pain like real big. Yeah. But then she went and she did try to do the axe kick, the step up axe kick and crotch herself on that yeah. girl's knee. <laughs> that one really made me laugh. Oh, it's so good. I mean, because she does that and she also does the spot where she always tries to do the, the top rope walk and then she like yeah. slips and then she crutches herself and then she just like, yeah, sells her, let, let's call a spade a spade. She's selling her vagina just for a really long amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit of her walking the ropes is when she actually nails the bounce and like points at the people in the crowd and like how excited she is that she nailed it. Like, yeah, you guys see that shit? You see me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that woman kills me. Yeah. Oh, and the other one, have you seen where she like, like, um, does the, the gun fingers to the chick's butthole? <laughs> find a shirt for her of her for me I need to find one and that is one spot to where I don't know whether it not get over in like North America or whether it would get over way more it, it could go either way <laughs> oh boy alright so uh, after the battle royal we then move on to the uh, oh we're going back in time sorry this is in chronological order almost <laughs> Back to the 5th of January, Sendo Girl Show. Now, I um, looked so hard to find this show. 
I couldn't find it anywhere. And I didn't think we were going to have it. And I was real sad because the main event is Siuri and Jihiro Hashimoto, who are both uh, Jeremy and I, two of our favorites. And I was really excited to finally see Siuri in like a top position in a big, big match like that. Uh, so I, I didn't think we were going to be able to find it. And then finally I found a fucking torrent of it and I downloaded it. And, uh, I, I think I told you, Jeremy, I was just like so pumped that I had it. I think I put it over more than I should have. He was stoked. It, he actually, he was jazzed that he found this. He, outside of all the stuff he had already sent me, all of a sudden I got like exclamation points. Like, oh my, I found this. Dude, just, just wrestling, bro. How can you get so serious about wrestling? <laughs> I will choke you, Vince Russo. Yeah. Um, uh, so how much of this show did you watch? Uh, the, I, I think I watched the entire show. Oh, yeah, wow. I just put it on. I didn't. We don't need to go match by match. I just put it on while I was doing stuff yeah. and focused on the last couple of matches. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I watched the whole thing as well. But like, honestly, thought the first half of the tr- the show was trash. Um, I don't say that often about Sendo Girls, but they just weren't doing it for me. I mean, I loved the the junior match, um, uh, Makoto Shindo and and Eureka Oka. They were good as always because they just do like kind of young girls kind of match. Um, but then, yeah, I I was not digging the comedy in the Sakura Hirota match against uh, Iga. Yeah, that one that one was got a little little ridiculous. Yeah, just just a bit. It, it got to Scooby Doo and the gang slapsticky. You know what I mean? Like with everybody chasing each other. <laughs> Pretty much. It was ridiculous. That's yeah. a good way to describe it. Uh, then things things turned up uh, where we got uh, Koru. Who I hate. <laughs> Teaming with um, Mako Satomura, who, you know, is fucking one of my favorite of all time. I think I think that's who I was talking about. It was fucking dragon ass for me. Yeah. That was the one, Mako's partner. She sucked. Yeah, yeah. And now we're against um, everything, Char- everything Charlie Everything she Evans did was weak. And, I mean, you're a big fan what, of Charlie what? Evans, right? Yeah, what's up with where's where's the Medusa complex going on? What happened yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, what's what's going on with um it's Charlie and fucking what's the other one's name? What one of the Mackenzie sisters. Uh <laughs> isn't she a Mackenzie too? I think so. But she's got uh, like a E at the Millie end. Mackenzie? Millie, yeah, 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 Millie. Charlie yeah. and Millie. That's Speaking it. of Charlie, like I am a fan also, she looks like she's gotten into pretty good shape on this yeah. most recent show. Yeah, I think I noticed that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think all parts of this match that weren't involving Kaoru were great. But any parts yeah. that were involving Kaoru just sucked so much ass. She didn't <laughs> lay it in at all, dude. Like, nothing she did had any weight to it at all. It sucked. I was really disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Why is she even in there? It was just amazing because, like, Mako Satomura was her tag partner. So just the contrast of when Mako was out of the ring versus when Mako was in the ring was just yeah. like, it really makes you appreciate just how great Mako Satomura is, really. 100%. And then we went on to the semi-main, which I really like, um, of Dash Chisako and Minami against Haruka Umasaki and Sari. Uh, and I thought this this was real good, all-action Far better than anything else preceding it. What do you think? I thought it was great. I thought it was two 
awesome chicks with two young younger girls on their mm-hmm. sides who actually held their own pretty good. And th- this is where I was like, man, Dash is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. She was like the fucking highlight of that match. I think she maybe even looked better than Sari. Yep, 100%. And yeah, just again, just any exchange between Dash and Sari are going to be great. Yeah, I'm, I, it's weird to me to, to see these two, uh, well, like Charlie not being in her tag team and Dash not being in her tag team. Uh, mm. But you know what I mean? Uh, overall, this this Sendai Girl show, you're pretty strong with the point about how the first part was forgettable. Even though I was watching it, even my favorite part, like normally I love Sakura, all her comedy shit, kind of disappointing. But mm-hmm. the main event, last last two matches we just talked about, held up. Yeah, and for and this Chris, tag match, I wanted to put over. I thought um, Minami, who was one of the young girls, but really being put in a, quite a bit of a high pressure spotlight position, I'd say. Um, I thought she fucking killed it. She looked really great in that position, um, you know, regardless of her experience compared to everyone else. And I thought she did a really good job. I think she's going to be like, honestly, in a couple of years, one of the best in the world. Just putting it out there. Uh, I was gonna say she's that young girl that we saw like opening a couple of the first yes. shows we when we first saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great. Your fucking dogs. Your fucking dags. <laughs> the dags. I don't even know what they're barking at. They'll they'll calm down. Uh, let's talk about this main event. So this was a bit shorter yes, than we were expecting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is definitely one to see. I I told Jeremy going into this. I'm like I hear this match had some sort of someone getting knocked out as a shoot, <laughs> but I didn't know too much other about it. I looked at the two people of Siuri and Chihiro Hashimoto. I'm like, these are two girls that fucking don't, are not afraid of hitting hard and getting hit. Um, so I was like, there's no and way. I did my best to like it from my memory as you asked. Yeah. I didn't even remember that you mentioned anything until it happened. <laughs> it was almost weird though, because you could tell it definitely curtailed the match. Um, so you could see the match was really picking up steam. And then what would you say was the actual moment when uh, Siuri murdered Chihiro Ashimoto? Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, she went to, to, like, came off the ropes, and then she ran up and kicked her directly in the face. Like, yes, directly in the face. <laughs> and then it was, it was over. They'll usually do it. Well, there was there was a couple because I think she was foggy before that because they had a spot on the ropes where she was in on the ropes and I feel like um, Siri hit her with like a spinning back kick or something that really got her in the jaw. It was some sort of strike that I was like, that's the kind of you know UFC strike where you get that glass jaw kind of thing, and then from that point onwards she went straight down. Siri was like trying to sort of pick her up, and they're almost doing that spot where it's like. You know, they're selling that they're really fucked up, but I think she honestly was. Um, and then she brought her back into the ring, and they sort of did a spot where um, Jihiro Hashimoto, uh, they did, like, a reversal, and she hit her with, like, a clothesline. But still after that, you could tell she was foggy, and she was not really doing anything. And then um, Suri gave her something uh, and then picked her up and gave her, like, it was really a, a Tajiri kind of buzzsaw kick. But just like Jeremy said, straight to the face. <laughs> and like it was like it didn't it, it it seemed like it could have been an end of a match if it didn't happen so quickly into the match like it was like clearly oh there is something wrong here 
And uh, maybe uh, our, our good little Sayuri is not as good as we thought she was. And she's hurting people already, and they need to bury her like Nia Jax. Get rid of her. She's done. <laughs> I hope not, sir. I love Sayuri. Um, I, did you know I found out she's actually a former UFC fighter? She has Ooh. that stance. Like, her stance is of someone legitimate, like maybe Muay Thai or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think it was just there was something. She got, you know, got her on the button a little bit, and then they worked out, hey, let's just take this home. Um, and, yeah. Uh, I thought up to that point, it was fucking awesome, and it's definitely memorable. I think the whole point of this match in general was to get Siri over. So, I mean... You can't have much it's dead more. in a way. Hey, yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like you can't have much more of a dominant win over someone than like shoot fucking knocking them out, and everyone knows that it's like for real. For someone, and, and also someone who I see perceived as pretty much a badass, like Jahiro Hashimoto is like no slouch. She's a tough mm. chick. Hundred percent. So I think this is leading up. I'd say on our next podcast we may be discussing a title match between Siri and Chihiro Hashimoto now that she's uh, beaten her in the non-title. Maybe Dash in the mix too. Mm. Man, interesting mm. stuff. Um, and did you watch the match after that? I watched everything, dude. <laughs> what a fucking soldier all this the, guy is. All, all the wrestling, man. <laughs> All right, then we moved into February, and we're getting towards the end, guys. Don't don't fear, this podcast is almost over. <laughs> February 16th, uh, the first one was a sweet tag involving Dash Chisako and Mako Satomura. What a fucking super tag team right there. At this point, I'm wondering maybe Hiroyu Matsumoto got injured or something because she doesn't appear to be on the cards, and uh, Dash is teaming with other people. Anyway, yeah. uh, against Natsumi Maki, who was the woman that um, that Suri faced in the uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro show that uh, she murdered, that I really enjoyed, uh, teaming with Suri. And I, I thought that was a really good match as well. What do you think? The thing I really liked it, the comment on what you said about uh, Dash tag with Mako, I've actually noticed it's almost like Mako tags with someone and then they start getting a little bit more of a push, like almost like she's in the ring with them to see what they could do as she's wrestling with them. Yes. And then, you know, she kind of gives them the rub up. Uh, I mean, that so, was yeah, the story was, with Siri for sure, right? 100%. And they even had her, I think a couple shows back with Siri, uh, man, I can't say the other girl's name. Siri and Siri, uh, Siri and Siri? Is that what it is? It's like almost no, no, identical? So, so we've got Sari, and then we've got Sari? Siri. Siri. So Siri yeah, is a S-S-Y. So just remember the S-Y. Damn, it's S-Y. hard to say. Siri. My American tongue doesn't want to do it. But yeah. You, you try she enthusiastically was yelling it out when you're in Corican Hall with all Japanese fans, but you really want to support her, but you don't quite know how her name's pronounced. Awkward times, might I say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, she was she was that uh, in that position as well a couple shows back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I thought... Um, yeah, Mako just everyone looks gr- their absolute best teaming with Mako as long as your name is not Kaoru. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't. There's another one where I didn't take any notes, and I can't remember too much about this match. Uh, any other things from you? 
Yeah, I'm about to say, I just, again, one of those Sendai matches, you know, it's good, enjoyable, nothing super standing out because they just were going through the paces. Oh, oh, I got a note. Ooh. I made a note on this one. How about this? How oh, about this, shit. guys? Uh, so there was a great bit that I thought was noteworthy where um, Suri had Mako Satomura in this, like, sweet um, sit-down, like, leg lock, kind of, like, almost like you've done a spinning toe hold, but then you've, like, sat down and, like, locked it down and you're kind of, like, face-to-face. And then so mm. in that position they got into this just, like, badass slap exchange. And um, Suri gave Satomura like a particularly stiff looking one that honestly was pretty much just a real stiff punch to the face. And then, <laughs> and then she goes for another one and Satomura just grabs her hand, preventing her from slapping her and just like within an instant somehow suplexes her out of that, um, that leg lock position uh, and then kicks her real hard in the head. I, had, I wrote down after that magic two exclamation marks. She's the, she's the best. <laughs> oh, so much enjoyment. All right, and then finally we had the main event of this show uh, with Kagetsu against Chihiro Hashimoto. Now, Jeremy, you probably—I mean, do you know anything about Kagetsu? Uh, just I've seen a couple matches, but I'm not terribly familiar with the backstory. So she came um, from stardom. She was initially with Sendo Girls. I think she was trained by Mako Satomura. Then she goes to stardom, ends up becoming their trainer, and uh, was pretty much like the head of their big heel group on the, the stardom show that I went to. And then apparently all this weird political stuff came out where she was, like, ousted because, like, a bunch of the stardom girls were, like, claiming that she was too strict or something with how she, like, ran the dojo. Hmm. Quite strange. I think, yeah, I think you did mention that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, yeah, this is a kind of following that, Kagetsu announces her retirement, and this is basically like her retirement tour. So this is one of her final big matches uh, against uh, one of the best of Sendo girls, Jihiro Hashimoto. So it. Uh, what would you think of the match? I actually was a real big fan of this one. This was one of my favorite I've watched. I watched during the the big stint of shows. Yes. Uh, I, the, the, the fire, what was her name again? Kagetsu. Uh, Kajitsu? K- yeah, yeah. Kagetsu. Ah, whatever, you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it next time, sorry. Uh, tremendous. I love the fire, and the fact that she's, like, not backing down from a much bigger opponent. Mm-hmm. It was really great. Great aggression. Uh, and I love the mixture of styles. Like, she's not just, you know, kicking and punching. Uh, uh, did she used to do a lucha gimmick? Is that why she comes out with the mask? Uh, I don't know. When I saw her in, in uh, Stardom, she yeah, came out with the mask and she, when she was with the other bad girls. She was teaming with um, Jamie Hayter, I believe, who I'm also a big fan of. Ooh. Yeah, she was part of the, the bad girl group there. But, um, no, I, I thought she was great because, like, you have the technical element. A lot more like mat work and submission kind of stuff, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, I know how lame I sounded when said, I said she didn't just kick and punch, but we've been going a long time, and <laughs> I have been talking about a lot of wrestling matches. I meant more how she it was a mixture of styles. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, she can just kick and punch, so really cool. I like it when they don't just kick and punch. (laughs) Fucking A. (laughs) In depth. That's the only depth commentary you're going to get from this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I did think, to be fair, through a bit of this match, it was a bit slow. Like, there was a point to where it kind of, like, I wasn't bored, but it was like, all right, they're, they're going to be turning this up sometime soon. And then they fucking did. <laughs> it just yeah. had like a real just ramping it up. Like one of my favorite things about good Japanese matches where it just has that escalation through the, the finishing sequence where it just like turns up that drama, the next notch, the next notch, the next notch. Um, and uh, I think she, she had like a beautiful um, bridging dragon suplex, I want to say. Does that ring a bell for you? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't remember. I didn't remember if it was a uh, dragon or a German, but yeah, beautiful bridging suplex. Um, and I was surprised at how fucking beautiful her uh, fireball splash, or otherwise known as four fifty, was. That was nice. Yeah, I honestly, I hadn't. I think I've seen her one other time before, and mm-hmm. she impressed me. But yeah, this. I had really high hopes because anytime they have Hashimoto in the main event, it's pretty, it's pretty gangbusters. Yep. Uh, how long do you think she still? They have these retirement tours. Can they go longer uh, or shorter depending on the wrestler? <laughs> how long do you think she still got it? Or I don't think long because I believe on uh, our next show we'll be discussing her big, quote unquote, retirement match against none other than. Her own trainer, Mako Satomura. Oh, what a beautiful Ooh. ending. Yeah, so you'd think it's, it's a poetic enough finish to where that'd be calling it a day. But at the same time, she's like, unless she has some crazy injuries that I don't know about, it's such a shame that she's like hanging up the boots because she's fucking real good. Yeah, she This match, I like no bullshit. Like, it definitely was one of my favorite. I'd watch it again. Yeah. I don't typically actually go back and watch a lot of the wrestling matches again. Yeah, we'll definitely be linking that one up on the uh, the Twitter as well, and uh, that's that that finishes up all of the matches that we were talking about. Woo! Oh yeah! Nice work, fellas. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Ben. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, oh! One match that I know both of y'all watched that I almost forgot all about. Huh. What Whoa. did you guys think of Go Shiozaki? Versus Kazuyuki Fujita. <laughs> ben, go ahead. We've been talking a long time. You go ahead. No, I really enjoyed it. Although, I did not expect it to go for the full 30-minute stare down. I don't think anyone needed a way. I thought they were joking because I, I started it, but I thought, fuck, I'm not going to have enough time. So I just thought, no, I'll come and watch it tomorrow. Then I saw some comment on Facebook that said, like, stare down. Some, like, an hour or whatever. I was like... Nah, can't be right. And I go back and watch it, like, fuck. It was intense, though. It built the, it built this anticipation of what was going to happen, but it was just like, fuck, they're actually doing it. I was just intrigued to see what it would have been like, would have it worked with a crowd? Or a did it question. work better because there was no crowd? That was the thing I was stuck on. It's like, I thought maybe a Japanese crowd may have been able to build like, the crowd getting louder and louder. Until it finally, then they just went for it. But it was a brutal match when it got going. Certainly. I enjoyed it. 
I had no idea that there was this extended stare down. Like, I, had, I had not paid attention to anything on Twitter. Uh, so I was sitting here watching, just dicking around on my phone, and I assumed, well, any minute this time, the shit's going to kick up. And like, literally, I looked down at my phone like in 10 minutes, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I said to Chris, I'm like, what the hell, Chris? He's like, wow. Yeah, when it got in like thirty minutes deep, I'm like, "All right, I'm dig. I'm actually digging this. I mm. never thought anybody would try to bust this concept mm. up. I actually got excited when the motherfucker switched from one corner to the other. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, like, shit's happening. I'm like, what? It is going down. Oh, she did not go down. But that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, he spends like another fifteen minutes on the other corner. Yeah, they did two quarter changes, wasn't it? Was like, it was the first fifteen minutes. Then like the twenty, then twenty five, and then it went. Then they went for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I could, I cannot exclaim just the palpable excitement when finally you're like, oh shit, take down. <laughs> oh fuck. Man, so I, I can also see why why somebody may hate this. So yeah, uh, if you if you want to skip out, if you have to just watch the other half. It's a really great match. It kind of takes away from the art form or the piece itself, but great match overall for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just surreal to me. Like, there's nothing I've ever seen anything like it, and I don't think I'll ever see anything like it again because you couldn't do it again now that it's been done. No. And just the overall yeah. circumstances of the no fans being there and everything, it just was, was mm. perfect. And I, I, there's no way in the world anyone's going to do a better no fans match during this period than this in my mind. I honestly, like, not even being mm. ironic or, like, you know, fucking uh, trying to appreciate things in a cool way that other people don't, like, I loved everything about this. And I, mm. I think this is honestly, like, under contention in my mind for, like, my best match of the year. Like, regardless of great shit that happened at Wrestle Kingdom mm. and everything. Like, I thought that much of it. Like, once it actually got going, like, there was such a realism to it, to that just like hard mm. grappling and wrestling and like Fujita having him in the headlock and go not wanting to like bitch out and get the ropes. And he's just like actually legitimately trying to like wrestle out of it. And then the, the I, I love go the look of disbelief on Go's face. A lot of the match, like he just mm. couldn't believe this old man is just taking it to him so hard. <laughs> oh, the facials between the two were just incredible. Like some of the best I've ever yeah. seen. Um, uh, and, you know, how how can you not love just the fucking balls of a dude drinking hand sanitizer and spitting it in a man's face? Damn, dude, what the hell? I, like, <laughs> I bet he didn't think that out at first. He's like, all right, I'm just going to fucking do this. Oh, my God, this is fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I said to someone on Twitter, I'm like, I've never seen big dick energy like that before. <laughs> Oh man, and yeah, yeah, just the you know hard as fuck, um, just brutalism of that that finishing scene and those Fujita just head kicks and oh man, it was I I loved everything oh, that, about it. That was my favorite part actually, the Fujita head kicks. They were just brutal. Yeah, from side to side. Yeah, I did love that. Nasty, uh, but yeah, would recommend. Um, I don't, I don't know if like you could listen to us talking about this and be like, I want to watch that. But <laughs> it's rewarding. 
I mean, at least to me, it, it takes a unique kind of person, I guess, to, to like yeah. it. A lot of patience, but yeah, I, I loved it. So good. I definitely enjoyed it. Three thumbs up. I'm Jeremy, I'm so happy that you got to experience it without actually knowing what was going on. So you got to kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah, it was a genuine experience. I'm like, I'm not bullshitting to you. <laughs> Once I looked at my phone and realized it had been 10 minutes of the end done shit, I was like, no way. Well, that's it. And I mean, like, the psychology... The psychology of it in your mind, like, when you're watching it and you're like, whoa, they've, they've waited, like, a minute. This is fucked. Are they going to go for, like, a full two minutes? Are they going for five minutes of, like, not doing anything? And they're like, ten? What? And then it just keeps going up from there. I can't... Oh, I can't even, guys. I can't even. It's not even bullshit. I was... I was unbelievable. Like, sometimes you watch wrestling and you're stoked by a body slam or, like, oh, man, they worked They worked to that suplex where I actually popped for a vertical suplex from the mat. <laughs> Here, I popped huge from one man switching corners. So I, <laughs> I, I genuinely got stoked. It was great. Yeah. And some of the best use of subtlety in wrestling that I think has ever happened. 100%. All right, well, let's, let's close this shop down. This has been a long one, but, I mean, people have been waiting for this, I'm sure. We're a little bit later than we usually would be, so it's fine. Uh, Plus, you got to hear me talk about people not just kicking and punching. Like, that was... <laughs> <laughs> That'll definitely be on the, on the grown men watch this shit sizzle reel. We'll have that audio yeah. excerpt. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so funny. Like, it's like all serious because they're real. Girl, men, watch this shit. They talk about hot stuff like wrestling. Yeah, she can just kick and punch. And really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I right, do the plug skis. All right, you do yours first. What do you got? Okay, I'm at James Vanderbeek. That's at J A I M S Vanderbeek. I'd also like to plug this television program that I'm plugging everywhere. I plug it to Chris once, but everyone should watch it. Mr. In Between. It's fucking great. Please yeah. watch it. Let me know what you think about it if you have. It's still on my list. It's still definitely on my watch list. Watch it, damn it. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would like to direct everyone uh, at Chris Things on the Instagram, also at Chris Things on the Twitter, but mostly the Instagram uh, for all the wrestling art things you might want or need. Uh, also follow the show at Grown Men Pod, uh, where you can find out when we uh, have a show coming out. Sometimes it might be a bit longer between, sometimes it might be shorter. You never know, so you need to watch the Twitter to know. Sometimes there's a pandemic. Mm. Exactly. This causes chaos, man. Exactly. Uh, also, let's uh, give a shout-out to our good friends over at Social Suplex. They they keep the lights on, as they say. Uh, we uh, have a variety of other great wrestling podcasts on there that you can check out, such as uh, One Nation Radio, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, the All Elite Show, Keeping It Strong Style. There's another one I can never remember, but that's fine. All of that at socialsuplex.com. <laughs> I give Brilliant. myself a pat on the back on that one. That's pretty good. Nice work, Chris. Nice work. Thank you. Thank you. Nice, nice to hear from you, chums. Yeah. You too. Thanks, man. It's good times. Appreciate yourself.
All right, let's not do this. Uh, let's not wait so long and get Ben on again. Yeah. Maybe uh, we'll have to allot him some wrestling matches to watch. Hey, how about since we've got him all got you all sizzled up on this Sendo Girls, Ben? You can I'll, I'll send you the the watch list and we can talk about this this next chunk next time together. Definitely, I'll try and take a few notes too, so I remember the cheap stuff. Oh, Whoa. fucking notes! It'll be Shit. the all notes show. <laughs> Everyone's so notes. many notes. <laughs> all right, ladies and germs, get swifty. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye.